Hey, thanks for listening to The Real Life Podcast. This is Pastor Freddie T. Wyatt at Real Life Church, and we've got a little bit of a new format that I think you're going to love. JV and I are always evaluating the podcast, trying to dial it in for uh, the the largest impact on the most people. Um, so, hey, let us know what you think about. Today's a little bit of a different format. Give us some feedback. Let us know. Uh, shoot Daniel at reallifesango.com an email. Let him know what you think about the podcast. JV and I are honored that you're listening today. This is a podcast from Real Life Sango in Clarksville, Tennessee. Thank you for being a part of our online community. We would love for you to join us at 8.30 or 10 a.m. on Sunday morning at the City Forum. In the meantime, if you would like to share a prayer request, make a financial contribution, or take a step at Real Life, you can text MISSION to 97000. Now enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the podcast. You said you're going to give up that. Well, I thought I'd give it one more try. Hey, you sounded better than you did last week. Do you remember POD? POD. I mean, banking world, that's the payable on death. Yeah, on they, were, they were like these scream, headbanging screamers oh, that no. were popular Christian headbanging screamers. Hey, JV, we're doing something a little different. You better hurry. Wait, we got five minutes. You better hurry. She we're doing a five-minute intro and then some short vision piece before we get into the sermon so that we don't lose our whole listener. So tell Shenanigan Fred Wyatt that he's got to listen now because we've cut this down to five minutes. Now we're down it's like re- four This is really for Rachel because your wife hates this portion. <laughs> She'll go to five oh. It's only going to be five minutes. <laughs> five minutes. So of opening shenanigans. We just, we just wasted like 30 seconds of it. Now, What's the latest with you? Uh, How's your family? Uh, they're home. It's summer. We're we are. Clarksville, are they fired up? Clarksville Christians out. So yes. Is your pool open? Pool's been open, but they oh, yeah. uh, they're they're very excited. Walked in last night. Happy as I've seen them in nine months. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? You've you got have, some attire you, on. Today. You have such awesome cats. Yeah, You've got some weird attire on this morning. Cats play today. Wildcats. Clark, Clarksville High Wildcats went down to Arlington and Memphis and beat them for the sub-state, and they're going to the state tournament today at 4 o'clock in Murfreesboro. Today at 4 o'clock. Who are they playing, Fred? <clears throat> I had a flat tire Saturday in Memphis to answer your question. <laughs> <laughs> I got there yet. I know. <laughs> you oh. got a flat tire. Oh, so bad. Oh. Some A half-homeless man came and helped me change my tire. Did you change it? Yeah, I changed my tire. Well, I mean, it's a big, it's a big, yeah, it's a big yeah, vehicle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it, no, it was. Yeah, it's a you big know what's hard is is I got the jack under it, lifted up the jack, and then the first second this guy touched the jack, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it didn't like go down. He knocked it out from under <gasps> the car. The car fell and hit the concrete, and like there was like this screw that like put a gash in the concrete because it is a big car. That's a big car. Yeah. Took a lot of, a lot of yeah. strength. But what were you asking about? Uh, wh- who are you playing today? We play Stewart's Creek. Stewart's Creek. Yeah. I, I, I think we'll beat them. Good. Yeah. I like the I'll optimism. All the, all the Wildcats bleach their hair blonde. Well, I saw Jack, <laughs> saw Jack on Sunday. <laughs> didn't say anything. Yeah. I thought it was maybe in honor of maybe your sermon that was doing or something. I didn't know, but mm-hmm. I said, got home. I was like, well, Rach, I guess maybe he did that for baseball. 
Yeah. I said, maybe that's what crazy kids do a day nowadays. when They, they go have, to the state tournament. They all bleach their hair. I think there was only one kid on the team that didn't bleach his hair. There would have been two if I'd been on the team. Oh, but Are uh, you serious? I was going to say, just like crazy kids would do if they got, I don't know, I'm going there to the There is state no tournament. I in team, JV. But, uh, but that's what adults do. So, you know, you can't say anything for kids doing that too. So good, yeah. I hope it grows out. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. It, uh, You know, after he takes a shower and puts a little product in, it looks okay. But other times it looks he looks like Bozo the Clown. <laughs> <laughs> it's all poofy and monk, stuff. Monk, monk. Yeah, yeah. His girlfriend was real scared that it was gonna like mess up his curls, you know? Oh, like fry gosh. his curls or anyway, oh, anyway. I'm so fired up, man. Uh, I texted you yesterday to invite you to go, but you never replied to my text. I yeah. appreciate that. Well, I can go through all that. It was in a really important conversation and then I get bing, bing, bing. So I had to mute. On your phone? Yeah. yeah. This thing going off like. Oh, because everybody started replying. Yeah. So I yeah. hit mute and I forgot about it. Sorry. Nobody understands I won't hear, cell let me, phone etiquette. Let me. Uh, Don't reply all let in me, a group uh, text. Let me reply like, all. Like you can send out one group text, but you can't reply to group text. You got to reply in an individual. Oh, is that how it works? Well, unless JV wants to get bing, 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 well, bing. Well, I was bing. getting bing, bing, bing. Let me write write you back right now. Let's see. Don't text me back. <laughs> Wake everybody You're up so this morning. What does your mug say over there? Oh. What does it say? Read it to us. Read it All to right, us. so this is a long story. This is way past five minutes. We don't have a long story. We I only... know. It's called It's Dad. Okay. For the Bluey fans out there, my kids. Jonathan's holding up a mug. It's 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 dad. It's in bluey colors. If you don't know what bluey is, look for Disney Junior. And it says on the back, whenever I walk into a room, everyone has to clap and go, woohoo, yeah, it's dad. All right, that guy's awesome. You have to watch the show. Woohoo, yeah, it's yeah. dad. I, I found it cleaning out Nella's that guy's room awesome. two weeks early. Yeah. And I ruined the surprise. So there it is. That's well, today's it. Tuesday, man. Tuesday it is, and uh, last Tuesday of of May. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Last, no, it's not. We got one more Tuesday. <laughs> you don't have a good sense of time, do you? I do. Thirty first is next week. No, I live on time. Yeah. All right. What else we got? Well, uh, that well, our five minutes is up. Bing bing. Our five minutes is up. So bing bing. We'll be back with the next section. JV, how'd this five minutes go? It went super fast. Super fast. <laughs> super fast. See you in the next section. So much part of what we do at Real Life um, is a lot of vision. It's a lot of practicality, a lot of moving parts, a lot of volunteers, a lot of organization, lots of that. But most of that comes from vision. And I think it's important that we on this podcast kind of look into what your vision as as our leader and our shepherd. What What is your vision? Which, you know, vision kind of is a big picture kind of thing, but it also can not change but kind of shift what is your current vision right oh now bro well you know i used to hate the word vision because it all it felt like just kind of this elusive thing to get a hold of and you don't really see the word vision in the new testament much and and i wanted to be clear with people that i didn't have like an isaiah 6 vision you know i didn't have a john on the island of patmos vision uh, i think god can give those kinds of visions but um when we talk about vision, it's just, hey, what do you what do you see? Where are we headed? What does God have for us? And really, my my heart isn't like, what's my vision? It's where is God leading us? So I I prefer I I don't push back against the word vision like I used to, um, but I prefer the word conviction. You know, what's your conviction? Um, but simply put, like, what am I excited about about what's coming up for real life? 
we're in such a great season and it's it's the our time season i mean that is the kind of the rallying call for our church in this season what time is it it's our time, our time. and this summer jonathan we've got 12 summer studies and it really is our time to grow in the likeness of Jesus by digging into God's word. Biblical literacy is huge, so there's a great opportunity to dig into summer studies for people to combat biblical literacy. God's biggest purpose for us is to grow in the likeness of Christ. Folks everywhere are searching for their purpose. They're trying to get a hold of their purpose. I have people coming up to me all the time, hey, I think I've discovered my purpose. And I I don't want to be the bearer of bad news like, hey, it's already laid out for us. Become like Christ. Well, JV, the one thing that we can engage in that's going to mold us into the image of Jesus is reading and obeying God's word. Reading and obeying God's word. So we have summer studies. They're live. People can register for summer studies right now. We've got summer studies on Sunday morning like yours that you're teaching. And we've got them all during the week. I, I, I talked to a guy yesterday. He said, hey, great sermon Sunday. I said, did it did it spark some conversation between you and the wife? He said, oh, yeah. And he said, when, when is that study for marriage? He said, we've never done anything for ourselves. And I said, man, you guys ought to do it. It'll be a great shot in the arm on Sunday nights, the marriage study. Um, so, so I'm really excited about what's coming up this summer, summer studies. Uh, I encourage every real lifer to plug into it. Um, it'll help you stay connected to the body. It'll help you to grow this summer. Don't waste the summer. The next big thing that I'm really excited about is our groundbreaking on Father's Day. We don't know if we'll start moving dirt the Monday after or a couple of weeks after, but it'll be sometime shortly after Father's Day. So we're going to go ahead and have a big groundbreaking celebration on Father's Day on the land. We're praying for good weather, but it's going to be the food trucks, the bounce houses, worship. It's going to be a beautiful day. I can't wait. Psalm 100, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. All right, we're back. Uh, so this week, Ephesians five twenty-two through 33, Fred. You did such a great job reading Psalm 100. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, it's very worshipful. That was one of the, one of the verses, one of the chapters that I memorized in Psalms. Beautiful. Yeah, it is. It's kind of a it's kind of a song now. You're memorizing God's word. I try trying to. To go to one of your visions. Of, I do have a quick question before we move into the sermon. Yeah, yeah. As you're memorizing God's word, are you seeking 
to maintain the ones that you've memorized. That's the problem. Yeah. That's so hard. That's isn't where it? I've stopped actually. So I did, I did a few Psalms and then parts of John three and yeah, that's the hard part. I heard it this week. You, you can't just stop once you learn it. You got to meditate. You'll lose it. You got to keep saying it. It's and, hard to meditate. remember all that if, if you're not coming back to it. Yeah. So the Shema, we talked about Deuteronomy six. Yes. I think six, six, Hero is four. So the my Lord mother-in-law just came back from Israel. Oh, that's, where, wow. that's where daddy's from. Um, and um, she bought me this little block of olive wood, very small. It's a rectangular shape, probably four or five inches. I, I've got to research it, but on the outside of it, it's engraved the Shema letter, the, the S, Shema. Daniel Cox would know what that is. And then there's a groove behind it, and then they have the Shema in Hebrew. And it's on a little, I mean, like 1.5. You roll it up, you put it in there, and then you mount it on your door. Mm. So you kind of touch it. I think it's a Jewish thing that you do this. You touch it. Um, and so it reminds me that once you learn something, well, you just, you've memorized words. But to meditate on what you've memorized and yeah. to say it and to yeah. meditate and break it apart. And that's, it's, it's been a good learning lesson for me. How many different sections of scripture have you memorized? So I'm really focusing on Psalms. Yeah. So I've got five Psalms, six Psalms, and then I'm doing now John three. So, but uh, of those six Psalms, uh-huh. are you going back and working on the ones that you've already memorized? So what I Wake up sometimes at two or three in the morning and can't sleep. Yeah. And so I'll start at one, Psalm one. Yeah. And then I go to Psalm eight. Okay. And then I go to Psalm 16. Okay. And Psalm 20. So you do go back. Psalm 100. Yep. So yeah. I'll try to say it. And then I, I do 118 and 139, but they're, they're hard. Uh, and I also did uh, 145, 144. I hadn't done it in a while. Is this the first time in your life that you've really devoted yourself to scripture memory? Correct. Other than like a Bible study. Really? And, you know, my first one I ever, I think I memorized was, experiencing God. JV, I'm so, so proud of you. Some trust in horses. Some trust I'm so spirits. proud of you. Yeah, no, it's it's just really, really good. And you, you use it during the day. And you, Heck yeah. You try to find a place to kind of interweave it naturally. Hey, hey, listen, the Holy Spirit will interweave it. If you commit yourself to memorizing God's word, God will bring it up to be profitable in your life. Yeah. So, so anyway, cool, so, man. So that's what I'm trying to do, but I've lately slacked on it a little bit. Yeah, I love it. I love it. But speaking of scripture and illiteracy. Hey, normally after I preach a sermon, if I walk to the back, normally like you're giving me a fist bump. I looked for you the first time and the second time, but you looked away, so I didn't. Oh, okay. I got you. You you want to talk to Hank. It's the most awkward walk ever. I would just stay down front. I would like to go around to get, I want to say goodbye to everybody on the way out. Uh, Like that's, uh, you know, but it's so... It's so awkward. Yeah. You can't get behind the pipe and drape. You have to walk all the way around the building. That would be really awkward. Yeah, yeah. I'll get over it. Oh, it's good. It's well, just, I had a youth pastor. He used to say on repeat, get over yourself. It's I'll, still, I'll But it is hard. Myself. You kind of lay yourself out there on the stage. I've only done it three times. But sure. you, you lay yourself out there spiritually on the stage, uh, kind of exhausted. And yeah. then you have to kind of walk down and and see what people might or might not even look at. Well, and you you have no idea... You, you, you walk past a hundred people who just had a hundred different experiences right. with God's word. That's right. 
Some are encouraged, some are convicted, some are angry, some are happy, some are confused, some are, you know. Some are on their phones looking at their screens about something. Yeah, I, I don't got see, it. I don't see many of those, thankfully. Well, I, you know, I, I, I got my, I have my little apps. So when you hit, when you say something. Oh, yeah. And I want to see a word and I want to see, I want to get in my apps, but I'm like embarrassed. Oh, yeah. Because I'm afraid someone's thinking I'm going to text. Mm-hmm. So I have to kind of like hide it. I always and worry about I'll what put people think. I'll put people it in my think. Bible. That's why you don't raise your hands in worship. <laughs> Put it in my pocket. Praise Jesus. You know, the Bible says lift up holy hands <laughs> yeah, to the Lord, JV. Uh, what psalm is that? One of these days. What's I haven't that? memorized it. Uh, you know uh, what? You know, when the scripture was originally written, JV, it didn't have chapters and verses. No. That's true. It, did it have spines? What? Spine. You know, a spine to a book. No, it wouldn't. I was trying to say it wasn't a book. Scrolls. It was scrolls, man. It was scrolls. Uh, it's good what I'm going to be talking about in my summer study. So I do have a question for you in light of the sermon. Scrolls. Yes. Um, did you and Rachel have a good fight after the sermon? No. Or did you have a nice talk? This is something that we uh, talk about a lot. Really? Um, that text? No, just in general. Marriage? Husband and wife and marriages, yeah. Yeah, you and Rachel talk about your marriage a lot in general? Mm-hmm. About how you're interact. doing? and mm-hmm. How do we interact? And yeah. If I say this, you say that. Okay, Why did yeah. you say that? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. We're always. Oh, well, that's communicating in marriage. Yeah, yeah, but talking about roles and a little bit of that, but especially gotcha. recently when it came back up three weeks ago, and uh, yeah, so we started started digging pretty deep um, in into Ephesians. There's some yeah First Peter language, Second Peter, First Peter language in there, and then there also the, there's the infamous Genesis two. Yeah. Oh, Genesis two. Yeah, you, you hearkened back to it. Actually, the, the scripture did, but you hearkened back to a scripture that was not in Ephesians five, um, which which two eighteen Genesis two eighteen, which I was very impressed with, by the way, uh, because I think the Genesis two creates the paradigm to understand what Paul was saying to the church at Ephesus of what is marriage. Let's look at marriage before the fall. Yeah. Before people were completely selfish. Right. Before Jesus's or or God's presence wasn't with us every day. Right. When even the first crisis wasn't sinful. So, yeah, that's right. (laughs) Exactly. This is what's so interesting to me about the whole marriage and roles thing. Some of the terms I did not introduce Sunday are complementarianism and egalitarianism. So, oh, please do tell. That's those are big words, brother. Well, I, yeah, Complex I think I think theologians make up big words just to sound smarter. You know, everybody's a theologian, by the way. Everybody believes something about God. Yeah. So we're all theologians. Some of us are good theologians. Some of us are bad theologians. But the uh, complementarianism is really the the what I would say is the biblical interpretation, the biblical vision that I sought to expound on Sunday. Egalitarianism would be a persuasion that would say, uh, no, there there are no unique, distinct roles in the context of marriage in terms of leader and and kind of helpmate. That those those roles are were culturally present in that day, but are not for today. The the, the biggest obvious problem with that with egalitarianism and that that argument is is numerous accounts in the new testament that are 
instructing us on specific roles in the home, specific roles in the church, um, ground their arguments in the creation account. So it's with which pre-sin, not some expressed culture, but what God laid out at the beginning. And God laid out at the beginning specific roles. And people have a hard time, I think, um, understanding that a role does not determine worth, value, dignity, significance. It's it just it just uh, signifies order. And our God is a God of order and has established a structure of authority. I, people have a really hard time with authority in general, and um, and so it shouldn't surprise us that even in Christian circles, there's an attempt to reinterpret the straightforward teaching of God's word to eliminate an authority structure in marriage. Um, it shouldn't surprise us that people would push against that. But but complementarianism would be the persuasion that there are uh, unique roles in marriage, as I sought to expound on Sunday, and uh, unique roles in the church, specifically that the role of elder would be reserved for males only. Um. And egalitarianism would uh, would would be really have a different interpretation in that way. They would likely most egalitarianisms most egalitarians would open up the office of elder for women and men, um, and uh, and and would describe the marriage structure as a one of non non specific roles. All right. So as I was sitting there. We're all, Had you ever heard of those terms? I have. Yeah, yeah. I, you you said you took a deep dive in Ephesians. I, I didn't know if that. I didn't know if you'd heard about those terms before your deep dive. Before, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Not in my deep dive. No, you're uh, such a well versed man. I don't know about that. So, Jonathan, how do you define Renaissance man? Oh gosh, how do you define Renaissance man? How would you? I'll, I'll say this to my. So I had to write something about my father in tenth grade, and. Um, or ninth grade, <clears throat> and I and I said one of the my my father was very was very kind man and very patient man. I love how you speak of your father. Yeah, um, and but the, one of the things that uh, I kind of always smiled at, not smiled funny, but smiled as in respect, was that he could pretty much do anything. Well, mm-hmm. until I was in sixth grade, then I realized he really couldn't. But uh, and uh, but I always called him the Renaissance man, which just means it. It's kind of like a what do they say? A jack of all trades, master of none. Uh, and but but Dad would always know something about something or know how to do something when I needed it. I think you're very similar to that, John. Yeah, well, I appreciate that. But I but I but you're a master of many. Yeah, you're not, you're not no, a master really of none. Uh, that's one of the things that I struggle with. But we're we're off marriage. But I I am I'm intrigued. So like I said, I'd study this. We've been kind of waiting for Ephesians five because it's. Let me say this, then I'll ask the question. Yeah. I think the biggest thing about Genesis 2 is it was written to a culture, an ancient culture, an ancient language, um, that had social structures set up. And I just think it's so intriguing and so beautiful that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 and 28, he sets man up, man being mankind, he sets man up to, to do something. He had a purpose. We talked about purpose earlier. 
and that was to rule and reign over his creation. That was his job, to subdue it and take care of it. Can I jump in? Yeah. You said it was written to a culture. That's true, but the conversation that's recorded, that's written to a particular culture, happened in the the first man and woman, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. so, so Genesis was written to a particular culture. Correct. But the conversation that's captured in the book of Genesis was written to the Adam and first Eve. human beings. Yeah, Adam, right? yeah. Adam, yeah, Adam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And so I think it's really cool that he could have structured yeah. how his his creation and the I think the ultimate of his creation was the creation of man and woman, uh, giving him absolutely their image. His, Absolutely. his image, sorry. Um, and that how he structured it was that man and woman would rule and reign and subdue creation. Unlike many, 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 as we read through the Old Testament, the Hebrew text, we read many cultures that work that way. Look at the Egyptian. We, we hear about Pharaoh. We don't hear about oh, his wife at all. We, the Babylonians. How, how, many do you, how many Babylonian emperors, kings, whatever wives you you don't and and take it all the way back to the culture that i'm i grew up in um one of my favorite shows uh is that on in colorado springs called focus on the family james dotson dr james dotson started that many many years ago became a radio show they do many things other than that but his basics was everything about culture begins and ends at the family level that if families are working cross the board Culture will work across the board. Do you believe that? Oh, I believe that wholeheartedly. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I think if 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 families across just our our little city of Clarksville, Montgomery yeah. County, yeah, and surrounding areas, if we would focus at home, that is going to breed out into that. That's just not children, but that's what we do and how we live. We ought to be more fired up about leading and building our families than anything else, right? Everything falls into place. Yeah, that. That is the gospel. Yeah, yeah. You talked about the church and the gospel at the end of the Elder, Elders, a qualification for elders is they must manage manage their household well. Yeah. So that's the gospel. We're bringing good news to the people. We're bringing release and favor to the people. How can we do that if we don't do it, one, within ourselves, within our family? That's where— Self-leadership is the hardest leadership. That's right, culture. So you named your sermon— Yeah. The marriage ain't the marriage. You're, <laughs> right. You're, all your English teachers were cringing. I know yes. Do the ain't. Yes. For emphasis, I appreciate that. So the marriage ain't the marriage. So while you were speaking and talking and listening, I was I was I was listening. I was following along. But the whole time I'm like, but what's this marriage ain't the marriage thing? Oh, really? Well, that's what you did it for, right? It's well, yeah. But I, but I figured you would immediately know. Well, no, I knew kind of. Yeah. But this is interesting. So expound on. You did talk about it, but. What, what did you mean? What's the impact? Yeah, sure. Because when you're getting ready for a talk or speech or whatever, sure, you, you, you had to think that, what is that? What, yeah. what was that for you? Well, Jonathan, I observe, and this was true in my life, that so many people grow up with this kind of euphoric perspective of the one, the soulmate. Uh, pivot to Jerry Maguire in the elevator, you complete me. And certainly when Adam says about Eve, at last, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh, certainly when he's declaring that, he is speaking that 
There is something about Eve that completed him. God said it's not good that man should be alone. So there was a completion um, in creating the image of God when God created female. But in our experience of marriage and life and all of that, I think that there's often in our culture a hyper-emphasis on marriage. Now, some would say, well, look at the divorce rate. We don't have enough of a focus on marriage. Well, certainly we don't put forth the effort, but I think sometimes the divorce rate is present because of the hyper perspective of marriage. And what I mean by that is, is, is that so many people grow up with the perspective that their earthly marriage is ultimate. It's ultimate. And it's going to um, solve every problem that they have. It's going to make all right with the world. It's going to fulfill all their deepest longings and all their deepest dreams. And so I think a lot of marriages end in divorce because people don't enter into it with a proper understanding of what it is and what it can do. And um, marriage is merely an earthly relationship. It's merely an earthly relationship of mere mortals. Tim Keller, who passed away this past week, a renowned preacher, uh, pastor of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in New York City, um, phenomenal modern-day apologist. Tim Keller uh, talks about um, compatibility in marriage being a myth. (laughs) You know, it's like, how are two sinners compatible? Well, he argues, well, they're not compatible, right? Um, so, so the phrase, the marriage ain't the marriage, is intentionally provocative to, to stir curiosity of what does that even mean? Well, what we see in Scripture, and you may be pulling up Scripture nope, right going. now. Yep, what we see in Scripture is that there is an eternal marriage, and that eternal marriage is with the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the bridegroom himself. And the whole narrative of Scripture is that Jesus will return again and take his bride, the church, unto himself for eternity. So this is the ultimate marriage that satisfies all of our longings. So there is a real sense, JV, where our earthly marriages, they do satisfy us to some degree. They do flood our soul with joy and with amazing romance. I mean, the the, the capacity for joy in an earthly marriage is massive, but it's a mere shadow of the greater marriage. And the greater marriage is the church with Jesus himself. And so uh, that's what it means. The marriage ain't the marriage. Uh, It means... Like our earthly marriages, and, and Jonathan, I, the reason that I the reason I really like this is I do think it takes some of the pressure off, because if people have put all of their longings for fulfillment, for wholeness, if they've put all of their longings in their earthly marriage, they can take the pressure off of their earthly marriage. They can take the pressure off of their earthly spouse. Perhaps I'm perhaps I'm so passionate about this because like this is what I need to do more, you know, is take the pressure off Susan for being, you know, this Messiah kind of person that fulfills all of my longings. 
No, Christ Jesus is the is the only one that can do that. So there's a bit of a tension that lives in 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 that reality. So so those two thoughts we just I just we just talked about the proposition that how God created us was a co-ruling between husband and wife. You know, Adam and Eve, the Ish and Isha. If you look in Genesis two, at one point they refer them as the Ish and Isha. I love it. Yeah, so it's kind of the TP hold each other up. Yes, kind of a partnership, teamwork, make the dream work. That's right. And then you, the marriage, the marriage. Well, the marriage is you know it's it's important, but it's you know it's not going to be eternal. So I think the tension that I just heard yeah. between those two was, yeah. um, is that nothing, no one, no thing on this earth will compare to our presence and worship with God one day in the new Jerusalem in heaven in paradise, however you want to call it. Um, there's no question about that, but going back to what we just said, it's so, if the bride of Christ, the church, that's not a church. That's the people that God's called out to be with him forever, um, in worship in him and all that stuff. That's the church. If we are the bride and he's the groom, that's what he's saying in Ephesians five. If that's a picture of what we're doing with husband and wife today, well, that's really important. It's a massive goal. It's it's just really it's a, important. Yeah. But you, but Tim Keller, um, I, I did follow. I don't know Tim Keller very well. I've heard you talk and Tim talk a lot about Tim Keller. I did follow it this week with his death. Um, read J.D. Greer's kind of eulogy to him, and um, anyway. Very interesting. You made a comment. What Tim said that husband and wives are, are just not going to be compatible. Well, that's that's with anything. I was trying to look for a psalm or a proverb. I could not find it. Yeah, but it says a, a, a band of three chords. Oh yeah, that's Ecclesiastes, isn't it? Okay, I can't remember. Yeah, but a band of three chords it's is not easily broken. That's right. Yeah. So if you t- if you're a band of two chords, how God created it in the garden, I, I think it's very strong. I think that's how He created the structure of a culture. Post-sin, and, and I guess pre-sin, uh, if you don't have Christ, if Christ is not your individual desire, if your wife is your individual most important desire, it's not going to work. If your husband is your all-in-all and, and that's all for you, it's it's not going to work. If you look at 521 Ephesians, it says, submitting one to another in reverence or fear of Christ, in the reverence of Christ. If, if, if we're revering Christ— and he set up culture with a husband and wife. That that's a three banded, that's three corded band, not a two corded band. And I think if we first focus on our relationship, our getting over our illiteracy of God's word, our joy becomes greater with God. And then I think that submitting one to another, first to your spouse, then to your kids, and then to your employer or employees, I think it all just makes sense because that is the gospel. At the end of six, he says. I have no partiality. There is no partiality with my. You said this when you started. God values all people equally. Mm-hmm. They're all he he all desires them to be atoned mm-hmm. by His blood, so mm-hmm. He could be with them forever. Mm-hmm. So if we focus on Christ, that three banded cord, that that spouse thing works. It, it's not the all in all. I think that's what you're saying. The marriage ain't the marriage. It's all about Christ. It's it's all about our worship of Him. It's all going to be our eternity with Him. Yeah. Right now, this is what we've got. Yeah. So getting practical. So you and I could talk theology all yeah, day long. Yeah, 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 yeah. We get so fired up about it. But I but getting go ahead. Well, get, again, get well, I just want to ask you one question. If like what's one practice that you do 
that you would say is the most beneficial thing for your earthly marriage? Communication, obviously, yeah. So I, I, I first I ground myself and try to humble myself. I always try to look at a situation in Rachel's eyes. Okay. And then I want to communicate. If she says something to me that may be terse or snarky yeah. or she's ignoring or whatever, yeah. I know that's not her desire. I know that's coming off in a way that either my paradigm's wrong yeah. or she said it wrong. So I'll wait and we try to communicate. Doesn't always work. So I communicate, okay, you said that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Did I interrupt? So skillful communication. That's good. That's yeah. good. What about you? I think probably is the pers- is is prioritizing our relationship over the kids. In 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 every way. So so like Susan and I are getting away this summer, just me and her. And there's a, like, it pains me a little bit because we'll be away from the kids. And I know that time is fleeting. Um, But the majority of mine and Susan's life, if God gives us many years to live, the majority of our life will be just me and her without the kids. And so, you know, I I think, I think just the perspective, just, just to keep for us the conviction and then the follow through on that conviction that mine and her relationship are the most important in our home. Um, that orders everything so that um, the tail's not wagging the dog. You know, we, we just don't want to be those folks that when the kids get sent out, we look at each other and go, who are you? Who are you? You know. But in that, Fred, you're training your kids. Yes. You're giving them an example. Yes. When they do fly the coop, yeah. which they hopefully will one day. That's right. That they will find a spouse that will do and honor what you're in Susan are trying to do now in front of them. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, you can't all be about mom and dad, but if they don't see mom and dad as a unit separate and apart from them, then it, they, they don't get any good van- example. Yeah. Just like the church, the church is to be called out from the culture to be holy and set apart. So is marriage. So is a husband and wife. I think that's, I think that's good stuff. You had a couple of questions. One more question. Yeah. Let me, let me get them out there. So all marriages are struggle. That's just, Part of life. We all struggle individually or not, but let's talk about a marriage that maybe is kind of falling apart. Yeah. Well what would you what would first step be for you if if you had a marriage that looks like I'm sure you get this all the time. What would you do step one? Yeah, I think I think I would just encourage every couple. I think I would encourage every couple regardless of where they are, regardless of what their perceived health is on their marriage, um, is to, is to put some oil changes in place, you know, to like, it's like we're having the summer study. Some folks, if folks hear that and think, well, this summer study is only for those marriages that are falling apart. We were thinking about it wrong. You know, it's like I, I take my car in for an oil change regularly, a tune up, not because it's sounding weird or breaking down, but because it needs a tune-up. So marriage is like a garden. It needs the weeds taken out regularly if the flowers are going to blossom and bloom. And So I would say regardless of where your marriage is, whether you feel like you're really healthy or you're falling apart, I would say build in regular tune-ups, build in regular oil changes, whether that's you're reading an article, whether that's you're pulling up a sermon series on marriage, whether that's you're going to a marriage conference, a marriage retreat, whether that's you're asking your pastor for 
good books on marriage to read or podcasts to listen to. Um, there's all kinds of resources out there to build your marriage up. Um, but but the, the other thing I would say, Jonathan, is God never intended us to live out our Christian life in isolation. You know, the whole New Testament is written to groups of people. And so the the concept uh, is... Um, we, Jonathan, we're working on a hard stop on the podcast. No, we're good. Let's finish this I know, thought. No, no, I know. A good thought. No, no, I know. It's a good thought. Uh, Daniel Cox was waving no, to No, I got though. it. I heard the ding. No, but, yeah, this is the, good. but the idea is just simply um, one of the ways. So God promises to give grace to the humble. And he promises to oppose the proud. So one of the ways that you welcome the grace of God into your marriage is by asking for help. And one of the ways that you invite the opposition of the Lord into your marriage is by not asking for help. And so I would say, ask for help early. Ask your community group to pray for you. Ask your community group to mediate for you. If somebody's having a hard time communicating, you just describe the the best thing you do for your marriage is communicate. So that's where a lot of marriages break down is they just have a difficult time communicating. And if they had somebody just to sit in on a conversation, then the conversation is going to go a lot better because they're going to, (laughs) they're not going to be as comfortable. They're going to lower their tone. There's going to be accountability there. There's going to be clarity, greater clarity there. So seek help on our website. uh, We've got a care and counseling ministry where we've got somebody available almost every day of the week um, that are there to listen, that are there to encourage, that are there to pray. We've got higher end professional counselors as well that have been highly trained. Um, Some of them cost a little something if the cost uh, is is difficult for you, let us know if you have need. There might be scholarships from the church available. Um, but I would just say welcome others into the congregation. God never intended your marriage to flourish without others helping. So don't feel like something's wrong. Don't feel like something's messed up. Don't feel like some, Don't feel like you're weird. Don't feel like everybody's going to think your marriage stinks. You know, no, it's like, we're a family. We're a community. As the church family, we're here to help each other. If your lungs are start hurting and you start coughing, what do you do? You well, go to the doctor. That's right. Yeah, that's you right. go to a doctor. That's right. that's right. And hopefully, hopefully, you you go to a regular checkup whether your lungs are hurting or not, right? And you do regular exercise and you feel good about it. So that's the point. Yeah. Don't hide something. N- nothing should be hidden from those that you trust. Get out there. And like you said, even if it isn't falling apart, sometimes you just need to continue going back over and over the basic things of communication and goals and vision. Jonathan, here's probably the most obvious living parable of how we got it wrong in North America. The vast amount of money that moms and dads and families pour into travel sports today versus marriage enrichment today, I think is an illustration of where we need to shift our focus. Yeah. I love travel sports. But the reality is, is it is a money-making machine. And moms and dads are frazzled trying to get their kids to the next practice and pay this, you know, $100 lesson over here and this $100 lesson over there. And um, maybe a little marriage retreat investment would be what they need. Really enjoyed this morning, Fred. Yeah, me too, man. No, I love the, I like the new, I like the new. We're, Good. We're, we're switching it up a little bit. So podcast, focused. Yeah, podcast listener, hope you've enjoyed it. Uh, if the, for those that enjoyed the 20 minutes shenanigans, I'm sorry. Um, we got it down. Now it's just five minutes each five day. Five minutes shenanigans. Hey, man, go Wildcats. That's right. What go. time is it, JV? It is our time. It's our time. Keep it real, brother. Keep it Jesus.
Thank you for listening. We trust that God is stirring something special in your heart today. We hope to see you on Sunday very soon. Keep it real. Keep it Jesus.